0: Barry Soper our political editor is with us. Hey Barry.
1: Good afternoon Heather.
0: So why has the Prime Minister started to really try to ramp up chatting about what an attractive place New Zealand is?
1: Well, you know, it was interesting. I was having a listen to her this morning. She was in Auckland today, of course, and um, at the very time that the Association of Salaried Medical Specialists came out and said that, uh, look, we're uh, almost 3,000 GPs and specialist doctors short in New Zealand and 12,000 nurses. And when you look at the figures over the years, around 40% of New Zealand trained physicians uh, from 2005 were living overseas uh, 10 years later. Before the pandemic, almost 43% of New Zealand's doctors were from overseas. But many have joined the general exodus of skilled workers, with some blaming the delays over residency. Now, I don't know whether the uh, the Prime Minister was on another planet, but she seemed unaware of the situation regarding medical professionals or the lack of them in New Zealand. Either that or she's spinning like a top. Have a listen. New Zealand
0: is in demand and we've made special provision uh, to ensure that critical workers uh, are eligible in the early stages of the reopening to make sure that we continue to have that flow of workers that New Zealand really needs coming in as well. One of the things we want to do is make sure that we manage the pandemic in a way that New Zealand continues to be, as it is already now, a very attractive place to come because of our management of COVID-19. So we want to make sure that New Zealanders who are here have the least impact on their daily lives as possible, and that will help us attract others to come in as well. So it's a constant balance, but one I think we've got right.
1: Yeah, well, time will tell on that one, I'd suggest, Heather, and uh, the isolation requirements, will hardly see them in, in terms of tourism flocking here in droves.
0: Mm, yeah so so I don't know that the publicity that we've had in the last fortnight is making us terribly attractive. I think no. yeah, I think a lot of us can see through that. but anyhow, this business with the modelers and um, the debate that's been going on for actually a few months about whether they're accurate mm. or not, I get I, I kind of I'm of the opinion that this has done their profession a fair bit of damage. What do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely, and uh, it's interesting that uh, I heard Michael Plank on today with you, and uh, he works for the same outfit at um, uh, Auckland University as Sean Hendy does, and, um, you know... uh Chris Hipkins today was uh, comparing them to weathermen. Weatherman, I'd compare them to uh, treasury boffins, because they are about (laughs) as accurate. But it was um, Sean Hendy that uh, came out with that 7,000 deaths. And you'll remember, he was rushed out to do this. Uh, There was a television screen between the Prime Minister and Ashley Bloomfield. And um, the the incredible thing, this was in uh, September uh, last year, the government released uh, that modelling report and it was it didn't have a peer review, which I found interesting, and the government apparently had it not much more than a day and yeah. it highlighted the opening up scenario and talked about that uh, large number of deaths from COVID-19, uh, even with 80% vaccination of the population aged over five. Look, there is no doubt in my mind, he, Sean Hendy, was rushed out there to scare the living daylights out of the population and to ensure that they abided by all the rules that the government was laying down. And uh, they just wanted a top-up of that scare factor, and that's what they did last September, and and it was successful. And I think these modellers are being misused in that way because there are so many other aspects to their report, uh, reports that indeed should be uh, peer-reviewed. Yeah, and in fact, their their models were actually accurate. They
0: just let the government use the wrong part of the model and scare oh, us with it. I feel terrible. I, I feel. I have to say, I almost feel a little bit like they're too naive as academics to realise how they're being played by a bunch of politicians.
1: They don't know politics. They don't know yeah. how the politicians play these games. And uh, you know, it was done to me with deliberate intention of uh, warning the public these are the dire consequences that uh, they'll be facing unless they abide by the rules that are being laid down from the pulpit of truth.
0: Now, Barry, I know that on on Waitangi Day, um, you are, you know, a regular for tuning in. You you don't want to miss the ceremony at all. So um, is it available on tally for you?
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. It's going to be on TV3. It's going to be broadcast for three hours on uh, TV3, I think it's um, on the morning of, uh, that'll be Sunday morning, uh, so we can uh, listen to it. I mean, normally, ordinarily, uh, the treaty grounds would attract between 30 and 40,000 people, but the board decided uh, that uh, they would deliver a virtual Waitangi Day, and you'll remember uh, Jacinda Ardern, a couple of weeks ago, flew up to Kirikiri with the Governor-General, and we'll see their performances when we all tune in on Sunday morning, but that was the flight that saw them both self-isolating uh, because one of the crew members on the flight apparently had um, Omicron. Uh, so she's just got out of isolation, what three or four da- three days ago, and yeah. um, so uh, we can all watch the um, the fruits of her labour uh, this coming weekend, which will be something to behold, I would imagine.
0: Yes, Barry, thank you very much. We'll talk to you later in the show and wrap the political week that was. It's Barry Soper, Political Editor.